wrestler court. Keenan and Turtle wrestler court. Keenan and Turtle wrestler court. Keenan and Turtle, yeah. Keenan and Turtle in the wrestler court. One's a fan, the other used to ref the sport. One will speak and then the other will retort. Things could get heated, someone could get hurt at wrestler court. Keenan and Turtle wrestler court. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Wrestler Court, episode 11. Here we are. I'm Keenan. And I'm Turtle. Lots going on here. We are going to run down Ronda Rousey in the WWE, her run thus far. This coming Sunday, the final pay-per-view stop on the road to WrestleMania WWE Fastlane. And we're going to try a little something new this week, Turtle. We're going to do a little little throwback segment. Oh, I can't wait. What, what are we throwing back to? A little throwback segment where we're going to go back and watch a show from from yesteryear, whether it's be the 80s, the 90s, early 2000s, maybe even a couple years back, hence throwback. Then we're going to discuss it right here on the show. Today, our first one is, I love this show, and I was probably, let me see, so that's 97, so I was 12. Jeez, you're young. I was 12, and... You didn't get to see this show in the United States, and only recently did I find this show on the network for no other reason than listening to a couple wrestling podcasts who happen to be talking about it because of the times and events that it's surrounded. One Night Only, 1997. I can't wait to hear all about Birmingham, it. I am so interested in this whole podcast. Bir- right now. Birmingham, England, uh, UK only UK only pay-per-view. So we're going to get to that in just a little bit. couple notes here real quick before we get rolling. Our good friend Robbie E., my good friend Robbie E. Remember, Turtle's the host, Kevin's the co-host. Uh, yeah, it remains to be seen. But anyway, our good friend, absolutely Robbie E., former Impact Wrestling superstar, starting this week over there on the MLW Radio Network. You know, those guys do a great job as far as wrestling podcasts go. They really have their finger on the pulse. But Robbie's got, uh, starting his own podcast over there. We should do a simulcast one day. It, it, it's up to him. He likes to share the spot. He doesn't like to share the spotlight. Spotlight has to be solely on Rob. That's just how Robbie is. But congratulations to him for sure. It's called Why It Ended with Robbie E. I, don't know, I said to him the other night, I'm so jealous that I didn't come up with this concept. It's so good. It's different than all the other podcasts that are out there. Hence, Why It Ended. He's going to have stars from that had short runs on television who kind of disappeared after those runs on TV that you that you don't hear from anymore, who aren't on the scene, and Robbie wants to know why it ended. Very, very, very that's creative. That's an amazing concept, and that, that's what's so interesting to me, listening to some of the stories of Jeff Jarrett and uh, of the DiBiases and all the guys that we've had on as to see their, their, their next step. As a fan, I just love seeing that. It's interesting to hear, and I can't wait to check out his first episode. So that, that's coming up this week. Please go uh, subscribe to Robbie's podcast coming out. I believe his first one drops this Wednesday, 6 a.m. over there on iTunes and the MLW Radio Network. Why it ended with Robbie E. One more note before we get going here. Just before we hit the record button here, Turtle, I got a, got a notification on my phone oh. from Bleacher Report. They have dropped the latest trailer for the Andre the Giant uh, special, I guess you can call it, over there on HBO. And this trailer features Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. This project has been talked about for a decent bit of time now, and I'm actually I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Andre the Giant was obviously a, a, a polarizing figure 
in the world of professional wrestling, sports, entertainment. You're never going to have anything like him. But he was a little bit before my time, before I started watching wrestling. I came around probably 1994-ish. Obviously, I watched everything I could ever get my hands on, so I could tell you all about Andre the Giant. But I wasn't able to physically watch him while he was an active performer. Well, and that's the thing with Andre that nobody really understands from our generation. We, we might see it on the network now. We might see all the flashbacks and the highlights, and I can't wait to see this HBO special. It's going to be amazing. But watching him compete then, being such a larger-than-life, literally, human being and personality, had to be amazing. Everybody else was was Hulk Hogan size, so, and these are big dudes, but he was like three Hulk Hogan's. Yeah, it was, he, what's the word I'm looking for? Such a um, spectacle. Absolutely. A spectacle it, to see. Just looking at him now, looking at the photos of him holding the beer cans or the, the baseballs in his hand, just realizing that his hands are set like 17 times the size of mine. You ever hear some of the stories about him drinking? It, it's insanity. His drinking, his drinking stories are unreal. Like for him to even get a buzz was like a case and a half, two cases of, of beer just for him. Yeah. Listen, and we all know now, and especially from the first trailer, that he was drinking to escape the pain, and that's not necessarily the best thing to do. We all know this. But that's just an amazing story. Just if you take a step back, take away the the seriousness of it, for a guy that size just to get a buzz was a case of beer? Heck, I'm done in like three beers. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too far behind you on that. Um, but yeah, so th that's coming up soon. Uh, HBO special, Andre the Giant. I can't wait to see that. I'm, I'm really excited to, to it. And of course, we thought we lost this interview, Turtle. But I found it. But you went back and found it. Back in December, Nick Aldis, the former Magnus, Nick Magnus Aldis, uh, of TNA fame, former uh, TNA World Heavyweight Champion, he won the NWA World Heavyweight title right across the bridge here in Seoul, New Jersey. So back in December, Nick Aldis won the NWA World Heavyweight title right across the bridge here in New Jersey. And I think we were one of the first interviews right after that. We thought we lost the interview. We have found it, and we're going to play it for you today. So Nick Aldis, Nick Magnus Aldis, coming up here And I'm really just looking forward to this because we actually got to sit down with him one time. That was our first, that was the pre-wrestler court. Yeah. We got to sit down with him at House of Hardcore. And it was my first, like, real wrestling interview. And I was like, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what these guys are going to talk about or how, like, friendly they're going to be to the camera. And we actually have this on our both of our Facebook pages still. Mm -hmm. So if you want to search back and find all that, you can. But this guy, we, we went did, for, We did put that on the Sports Radio 94 WIP We did as too, well, right? yeah. Okay. So we went back and we sat with him in the backstage of a wrestling show. As a, as a nerdy wrestling fan, it was a dream come true for me. And this guy didn't give us one-word answers or two-word answers. This guy essentially wrote us a book as we're asking him questions. It was super interesting. Nick's a good, good dude. He's a personal friend of mine. So we're going to get to him in just a little while. He just recently, he's calling it the Aldis Crusade. He's, uh, I believe it's 20 title defenses over 40 or 60 days. He just came back from Europe defending the NWA title all across Europe. He's really bringing some prestige back to the title as it's one of his goals. As he wants to, I would imagine... Make it what it was back in the Ric Flair days. Now, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that because the NWA title back then was the title to have. But nonetheless, the NWA title has meant more now around the waist of Nick Aldis than it ever has in any of its previous incarnations. Well, and that's why it's interesting to hear from him about this title specifically. I'm not the biggest NWA fan. I never really was. 
I was always a very generic WWE fan. I was the same way. I, I grew up watching it on on SummerSlams and all these pay-per-views and Saturday Night Heat. Of course, being and, the fan, I went back and watched all oh, of the old NWA stuff. But but as I was growing up, I didn't get that there was anything else aside of from WWE or WWF at the time. Yes, WCW came in, but even then, I just didn't get it. And hearing that this title had so much history is so interesting. Well, we're going to get to him in just a little bit, but I want to start off... I want to start off with Ronda Rousey. We're a couple weeks into her run here in WWE, and it's it's for me, again, this is just for me personally, you know, I'm speaking for me, it's just not clicking for me. So far, from the Royal Rumble to where we are now, you know, Mike Johnson of PW Insider reports she's scheduled for all the roles all the yep. way up until WrestleMania. Her full-time schedule, quote-unquote, full-time schedule, yet to be determined, yet to be seen. For you, for me, it's not clicking. For you, Turtle, how do you how do you gauge this so far? See, I get it. I understand it. It's never for you. It wasn't for me. This is for the mainstream media access. This is for the generic fan who might watch a Raw once a month or twice a month. For the Oh, maybe I'll catch a pay-per-view or I'll try out the network for the one month three as I always do. This is for those kind of fans. I, I texted you the first night she was on Raw. Ugh. She needs work on the mic. She needs to go to promo class ASAP. And she does. Well, yeah. I she's mean, that's, coming from a sport that doesn't right, include she's, that. She's coming from a place where that's not necessarily needed. And knowing what we know here in this business, as willing, it's very I, similar. I'm willing to look past that. Oh, absolutely. And listen, she's she already learned from week one to week two. She was yards better the second time she was on the mic than the first time she was there. It, it It's just not for us. So it's kind of hard for me to really enjoy it. Yeah, do I like seeing Stephanie get... Sort of Samoan drop, kind of F5 that she may or may not have screwed up. Yeah, that's funny. Did I love seeing Triple H get put through a table? Of course, because... That was actually awesome. It was awesome for two reasons. Awesome to see her do it, and awesome that a guy in his status in the company is willing to take that... Listen, it's not a huge bump anymore, but willing to take that toward a bump for the company's greater success. Sure. So from both angles, that was great. But if I'm thinking about this as an average Joe fan, many more people, at least that I know are interested in the WWE now, or at least keeping an eye on it, than they were before because of her. You're right. So I get it. You're, you're, you're right in the sense that this is for the mainstream media. Yep. And look, and here here's, for me, here's where the disconnect is for me. She is not going to be an every week superstar. Well, and that was my next question to my, for you. To, you know, to the point earlier that we said of the full-time status, I personally, and I could be wrong, but I personally don't see her making the house show loops. I personally don't see her on television every week. I see her on TV more than Brock. I see her making more more shots for the first few years, more shots yeah. than Brock. But you know, we had a you made a great point the other day that there's a very very solid chance that her first couple matches are on the big four pay per views, and that's Absolutely. it. And that's it. See. And I understand this is where the disconnect for me comes in, being somebody that's in the business or was in the business, however you want to however you want to define my current status. But there's a reason girls like Sasha Banks and a few of the other Nikki Bella and a few of the other girls were piping up on social media. These girls are around every day, mm-hmm. busting their ass, making the towns, you know, doing everything to get better every single week to get themselves over their characters and the such. For a girl like Ronda to come in and demand the amount of money that she's going to get paid, coming in working 
minimal minimal dates mm-hmm. compared to the girls that are out there grinding 300 days a year. Yeah, I'd have a problem with that too, and I don't care what her celebrity or athletic status is. See, and I listen. You're you're right on there. You're 100 percent right on there. But I think it's 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 twofold here. One, they have every right to be upset. They have every right to be annoyed or pissed off or whatever word you want to put in front of them because of all that. But two, and this is just honesty, they're all jealous as well. No. Oh, oh, from an outside point of view, that's exactly what they are. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, and you probably know these girls better than I do. You definitely know these girls better than I do. If they were offered the same sort of money, yes, the same sort of schedule, probably more importantly, as Ronda is going to be getting, most of them would accept it too. They probably would, but at the same time... That's where the jealousy comes in. I'm, it is. It I'm, just is. I'm going to blow everybody's mind here, and I'm probably probably in the minority as far as this as far as this mindset goes. Ronda Rousey's not a draw anymore. But again, to you, to the, a wrestling veteran, to me, a wrestling veteran fan, correct? To the average Joe fan, absolutely, she is. But she's. Not, I, I can tell you from just from seeing it. But she's not. There's not. You know. She, to the to you and the average wrestling fan and the outside Joe, she she should be an attraction. Oh, she is she, correct. She's not a draw because, and in the same breath, I'm going to say she's a short term draw. And it sounds a little contradictory, but hear me out. You're going to get these people that ha- that go that don't normally watch WWE, which is probably part of the thought process. Which is most of the thought process. Um. Yeah, I lost I lost my train of thought. You're going to get most of these people. And it's part, probably part of WWE's thought process. Who now all of a sudden see Ronda Rousey in WWE, right? Mm-hmm. I've got to see that. So what are they going to do? They're going to click on the network. They're going to buy the network for a month, maybe. They're going to click on Raw. She's going to pull on, you know, bring in some ratings, what, what have you. When we talked to Jeff Jarrett last week, we asked him what were the advantages of a move like this after all of the big matches happened, and his. So after all of the mainstream press and all of the big attractions, Turtle, she's just another girl on the roster. How many times do you go see the circus every year, Turtle? Maybe once a year. Oh, I get you. Yeah, maybe. But, so here's but the... after you t- after you f- you flip the you flip the guys in the air and you tame the line and you see the bear, what's the appeal to go see it the next day? Well, here's the and that's the key. It's this is where it's on her. She's a draw right now. It's her job as a full time superstar, as they keep saying she is, to make herself that draw. So whether it's she's at the performance center five, six, seven days a week training whether she's on the mic, getting better in promo class, whatever it is, it's her job to be that next draw. She's a short-term draw and a short-term fix for the company. In turn, after all of this, after these first couple months, she then turns to an, an attraction like Brock Lesnar. And Lesnar's. it's going to be Brock, on her Brock to fix Lesner, it Brock Lesnar, I got news for everybody out there. Brock Lesnar, he's not a draw anymore either. He's now an attraction. In order for you to be a draw... You have to be the last real draw was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, the well, Rock. he was must see TV. You know what? Even John, you know, John Cena was a draw and still is to a certain demographic, right? Absolutely. So there's no more real draws in the business, with the exception of him. I'm sorry, Roman Reigns is making a lot of money. He's not a draw. He's not drawing a lot of money. He's a boring superstar, personality-wise. That's a fan's point of view, but from a business perspective, that's a whole different. Absolutely. That's a whole different conversation. But again, it's it's on her. That's where this ends. It's on her to make herself a draw, an attraction, a must-see event. Well, she's going to become an attraction no matter what. Because when you see Ronda Rousey... But if she doesn't get better, she won't. Yes, yeah, she will. Because you're always going to have that little bit of name value. And when you're working 
the schedule that she's probably going to end up working. If Ronda Rousey's coming to your town, there's going to be some people that are go, that's really cool. I have to go see that. It's a, it, it's a one-time thing. That's where she becomes an attraction. Like Brock. Sure. Brock's already in that, in that, uh, in that column. You know, he's no longer a, a, a draw in a sense of, I have to go see him. But if, if he's coming to your town... It's nice to see yeah, him. Yeah, that might be cool. Let me go check that I out. I would really love to know, and we'll find this out. And I do believe, like I, you said earlier that our four, first four matches are going to be on the first four big pay-per-views, and they'll build her up like that. I, I really do believe that, but I would really love to see her just dive headfirst into this. Her quotes were something to the effect of, this is now my life, this is now my every day, blah, 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 whatever. I would really, really love to see her do the house show loop, to do all this, to work on this craft, because it is a skill set. It is a craft you have to learn. You, can't, you right. know better than I. I would love to see her do this and then make herself... An elite superstar. And I don't care who you are. This isn't something you can... I, and I don't, I don't care what you've done, what celebrity you are, what UFC fight you've had. It doesn't matter to me. You, It's a completely different world once you come on the other side of the barrier. Yeah. Brock Not, made it, and Brock's going to be a Hall of Famer because Brock is Brock. Correct. She's already going to be a Hall of Famer because she's Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I don't know about that. Oh, they put random people in. They're going to put her in. I'm 100,000% sure of it. Even if she only does one match and that's it. She's going in. But I would really love to see her have so much respect for the business that you dedicated most of your life for, that I've watched for the majority of mine, and really try and be that next big thing. Because if she does, if she really put all the work into it that she did to her UFC career, I don't have any doubt that she could be an elite superstar. I just feel the timing is all wrong on this. She was at her highest of a celebrity. Her stock was as high as it could be. A couple WrestleManias ago. Yeah, where she did the thing with The Rock. When she did the thing with The Rock. That was the time to come in, regardless of what your status was in UFC. Her stock immediately plummeted when she lost that second fight. Who was it? The Holly Holm? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, her somewhat public meltdown. You're right. It should have been after that WrestleMania. It should have been then. I'm not coming down on her in in the sense of, you know, I'm not coming at her as a person. I don't know know Ronda Rousey. She seems like a great person, if I'm being honest. I've never met her. I I hear great things about her from the people who do know her. But, I do kind of have a little crush on her, though. I mean, she yeah, she is kind of hot. But when I'm looking at from a business point of view, from a wrestling perspective, it's just not clicking for me, and I just don't see the drawing power in the name any, anymore. That I think I don't. Bottom line is, I don't think WWE is going to see the return on the investment. That's fair. You know what? They might not see a return on investment on. What's that? Fast lane. Why is that? Because that card, and I'm I'm sorry, WWE, I love you. That card is garbaggio. Yeah, well, you know what? That's what. You... On the last pay per view before WrestleMania, yeah, they're, they're not, coming out with this card. They're not worried about this right now. And they I need would, to be, and, and I wouldn't be either. You have a whole, you have 90, 70, 80, 90 thousand seats to sell. Thirty days following this, you, you got to get me amped up for WrestleMania doing this, and like I'm going to watch because I'm a fan and I like some of the competitors going on here. But for a match that, like, let's start with the Charlotte match. All right, because, take, take me through Fastlane. Uh, we're going to start with the women's match because I really, really love watching Charlotte Flair compete. I really do. But I am so much tired of Absolution slash the Riot Squad, which is the same exact thing on love, two different I shows. I love them both. I love them, but they're not doing anything to grab me. I love each competitor singles-wise, Yeah. but the factions are doing nothing to grab me. And this kind of made up. Women's championship match out of the blue, essentially. Well, it's not really made up. I mean, if, if you 
watched. It, it just does nothing for me. If you've watched SmackDown TV the past couple weeks, Charlotte has ran oh, they, through the oh, entire course, Riot yeah, Squad, they, they leading to the there, leader. But it, it just it, doesn't get me. It just doesn't grab me. It's give me something with 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 teeth to it, not just something. Oh, I'm just going to throw these girls out there and make them mean and beat up Charlotte, and that's it's a it. typical story of uh, a case in numbers. You know what I mean? What would you do? I would. I wouldn't have the Riot Squad challenge for a title right now. Why? It, it just doesn't seem like they need it. It seems like they're just throwing it in there because they have nothing with Charlotte right now. So if you don't do that, what do you do with Charlotte? At this point, have, have a tournament. Have something. For, have a reason to make the Women's Championship worthwhile. But a tournament for what? We already have a champion. But to the next contender, for the number one contender. Give me some, a, 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 not a generic feud. Give me something that, ooh, we're going to work on this and give me a bracket challenge or whatever with the madness that March is coming up. Just give me something. But you have to understand, these girls, all three of them, Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan, and Ruby Riot, by and large, are all brand new to the roster. Absolutely, which and is another the, reason why it doesn't belong the, to me right now. By the three of these girls working with the champion who's already made, who's already an established superstar, in turn, we're making new characters. We're making new heels. Sure, and you could do that with, with a tournament. You could do that with, with run-ins. You could do that with whatever, not just essentially a, a mini-tournament, I guess if you want to call it, as Charlotte ran through the whole Riot squad, and now all of a sudden Ruby Riot gets a title shot. Well, she gets a title shot because she's the last one up. It, it just doesn't do anything for me. As is the other woman's match that's kind of just thrown together and made up. Becky and Naomi versus Natalia and Carmella. It's just as a eh. And by the way, are they ever going to let Carmella cash in this briefcase? Yeah, maybe. Or is she just going to carry forever or the year and just going to run out? That's the, I, that's the beauty of the money in the bank. Yeah, but when you're half not on the show most of the time. She's on the show every week. She, there's been too many shows where she's just been super irrelevant. And when you have that briefcase, I want you to be relevant. Yeah, and she's going to be relevant the minute she cashes it in. So at WrestleMania, she's going to cash in on Alaska? Possibly. I, I just don't see it. it it's Seth it's Rollins, not grabbing Seth, it to me. Seth Rollins cashed in his money in the bank at WrestleMania and won the championship? I, I don't see them doing it two years in a row or two WrestleManias in a row. He didn't do it last year. You know what I mean, with money in the bank. It's a very similar concept to what they've done. It just It's another thing with the women's the, division that just doesn't grab me. Seth did That's at maybe why Ronda's needed. Seth did it at WrestleMania in San Francisco. <coughs> WrestleMania 31? Either way, it's a very similar concept that they're going with, and it just doesn't get me. It doesn't shock me. It doesn't excite me. Talk to me about Shinsuke Nakamura versus Rusev. Does that get you? <laughs> Absolutely not. This whole card doesn't get me. It's another just weirdly, generically made-up feud that they essentially pulled out Shinsuke from the six-pack challenge title match and put John Cena in because John Cena's got nothing to do. And now they're making up some just random feud with Rusev. It's This whole SmackDown, this whole last few months have almost turned me off to that product right now. All right, so then talk to me. Maybe this grabs you. Uh, the New Day versus the, the Usos. The Usos have been Well, the Usos have been great. On everything they do. And, and that actually they is the only a, match a I'm joy to watch. semi-excited for. The Usos have gone from awesome... When they first debuted, when they did the whole um, Samoan dance. In the beginning. I love that thing. That was a cool entrance. It was a cool, different way of doing things. I love that. To, as they grow up, now they're the Uso Penitentiary. And the, and the whole gimmick that they're doing there is great. Since day one-ish. It, it's been great. And the New Day, while I don't love the New Day as much as I used to when they were on Raw, I think they've been kind of devalued on SmackDown a bit. Are always an entertaining tag team. Whether it's Kofi... 
or Big E or Xavier. They're all entertaining. And I think Xavier should wrestle more than he does, by the way. That annoys me just a bit. I know he's the best mouthpiece they have there, and that's kind of why they kind of hold him back Xavier's a bit. actually really good when the bell rings. He's really good. I would love to see him in this match. I kind of doubt it. I think it's going to be Kofi and Big E. But it's fine. That's the match I'm, I'm ready for. That's the match I'm excited for. Well, this match definitely has to grab you. I know this one's grabbing me. WWE United States Championship of Bobby Roode versus Randy Orton. How's this one grab you? I love Bobby Roode. Love him. He is glorious. It really is. He's glorious. And Randy Orton's one of my He's favorite workers. Period. But again, it's just a very random thrown together match. I'm looking forward to seeing it. This, was one, of, this two... was one of the matches fans wanted to see when Bob, uh, when Bobby Roode came oh, absolutely. to the WWE. Yeah. It's definitely a, like a, a fan-friendly match. Many similarities between the two here. It's just not doesn't make a ton of sense and doesn't lead much to WrestleMania because they're going to have to put Bobby Roode on the card. He's the champion, but I don't know where he goes from this because I don't think he's losing to Randy. I don't think Randy needs the title, to be quite honest with you. Randy's great just being Randy. Yeah, Randy. Well, Bobby doesn't need the title either, to be very honest, but that's beside the point. It just doesn't end where I hope this ends. All these matches, to me, need to lead somewhere. I don't see any of the champions losing. Yeah, but you have three weeks of television after this to, to make it all lead to somewhere, make it all But work. I would love it to be start it now. Begin it at the pay-per-view. And maybe they will. You know, maybe I could be 100% wrong on this pay-per-view. And as I say all these critical things about it, I'm going to be sitting there watching anyway because that's what I do. I just want to see it now. I want to see it on one of the bigger stages. Not a random SmackDown where Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for the 12th time face AJ Styles and some weird handicapped Daniel Bryan sort of going heel type of the way. I can only imagine how this one's going to go. Tell me how this one grabs you. Champion AJ Styles versus John Cena versus Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn versus Baron Corbin versus Dolph Ziggler. Six-pack challenge for the WWE Championship. Go. It might be an entertaining match, but we already know the winner. It's going to be AJ versus Nakamura at WrestleMania. It better be. Of course it is. So th then why do I care? It might be entertaining, it might be fun, but why do I care about this match? The only reason I might care about this match is to see John Cena lose again and then whine about it the next day on Raw and SmackDown. Because that's what's going to happen. That's how it leads to Undertaker finally being included. I don't care what he said. There's no way in the world he brings up Undertaker without that being the match. And especially with the rumors of a Rey Mysterio injury, which might have been the backup match, this is going to be the Undertaker match. And maybe he pops up on SmackDown. Maybe that's how he does it. I would doubt it. I don't think Ray was ever concrete for, for any yeah. of that. It was just, you know purely speculation. Sure. And I'm sure, I, I'm based off of the reaction he got here in Philadelphia at the Royal Rumble, there's no doubt in my mind he was, that or is still, regardless of any type of injury. Oh, and he injury, looked great, too. He looked like he was in phenomenal shape. Definitely in some types of talks with WWE for a return. But WWE Fastlane, the final pay-per-view stop, on the road to WrestleMania this Sunday, March 11th, Nationwide Arena, Columbus, Ohio, 8 p.m., live and only on the WWE Network. All right, you ready for this new segment here, Turtle? I can't wait. All right, so we're going to do a little throwback deal here. We're going to go back to WWF. WWF. Wow. WWF, not the World Wildlife Fund, the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> the World Wildlife Fund, that's awesome. Yeah, World Wrestling Federation. WWF one night only 1997. There's my notes here. Here we are. Here we are. September 20th, 1997, Birmingham, England, NEC Arena. There's a lot of, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff happening here, and this is where the tensions between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart are are at a at a fever pitch. They, we are about right around this time is when Bret Hart signed a 20 year contract 
with Vince McMahon, which would have just gotten, which would would have just been up last year. What a deal that would have been. I know. WCW's breathing down their neck. The NWO invasion is in full force. And Vince is starting to feel the pressure here. And we are about two days out here. This was on September 20th, 1997. Okay. We, leave, we leave England. We go to New York for Monday Night Raw. I say we. I was 12. But uh, we go to Madison Square Garden. Hey, you could have been there. You never know. This is where Vince tells Brett that he can no longer afford his 20-year contract. He should go back to WCW and see if he can get his old deal so we're this pay-per-view is two days prior to all of this there comes a point in time during this brett and sean tension that brett tells sean that you know should should they have to do business you know brett has no problem putting sean over sure you know no problem putting you know they'll do what's right for you know for business sean turns around tells him you know i appreciate that brett thank you but I'm really not willing to do the same for you. It's so such that, an interesting, and you could speak to this better. Maybe one day we'll get like, maybe we should create another new segment. And I just thought of this on the fly. I'm going to throw it out there. Maybe it's stupid, but who knows? One day I would love to hear like the inside, like the real inside type of stuff about how these matches get booked and put together. Because it's such an interesting thing. Like if you and I are doing planning for a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And when we're talking, all right, well, We'll talk about this, and I'll hit this, and I'll lay you up for this, and you'll lay me up for that. It's just, it's in theory a very similar concept to putting in a wrestling match. So I think you're like I'll set you up for this move while you set me up for that, and you'll put me over here, and I'll do this for you there. It's a teamwork. It's a partnership. Well, it was a lot. It was a lot different back in '97 as compared to what it is today, and even right. when even when I was there. But we can we can certainly talk. But my about point some of is it. with that is for somebody to turn around and say that. It, it, who I would assume would be a teammate because that's the way I would look at it. Is every match there? There's a team. It's a team thing. Yeah, like wrestlers are out for themselves, man. This is the wrestling it's, business. They're, it's so interesting to see and hear you say that and hear Sean say something like that. These guys are independent contractors. Go, they're they're LLCs. Really? They're 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 doing their own thing and they're you know they're jockeying for position for for the best spot for the most money sure. and you know. But but my point is with the whole Sean thing. It's super interesting to hear him, somebody, give it all and not want to give any back. Well, Sean's wrestling Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, on this show in the main event in, in Davey's home country. Sean wouldn't put Davey over here, so that pisses Brett off more than anything. And, you know, family and friends and everybody's there for Davey. It's, it's, like, it's basically a homecoming. Like homecoming, yeah. So we are really, we're on our way. We're about two months out from the Montreal screw job here that would change the course of the industry forever. And it's the it's the iconic moment in wrestling. This would ultimately give WWE arguably its greatest boost in mainstream media as well as dollars. Yeah, it's probably since the Hulkamania ever era, possibly ever. It, it it it's such an iconic moment. It's such an iconic day that something like that would go down. That it, it has to give them that boost. It had to give them that that because it was everywhere. It was, that, it was the first time I really saw wrestling in the mainstream world. It was the first time that I really saw WWF at that time on, I don't remember if it was a sports center, but it was on a sports show. Yeah. It was the first time they referenced it like, hey, this is big stuff right here. This happened. And I don't know how they're going to react to it, but this happened. It was, imp- it was impressive, bad, good. It was everything I like about wrestling all rolled up into a ball. 
and just hand it to me on a silver platter. So here we go. Birmingham, England, WWF one night only. Our opening match, Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus <laughs> Dude Love. We're on our way to Triple H becoming Triple H. DX is already on the run here, but it's interesting to see Triple H still in the in the Greenwich Blue Blood snob yeah. outfit here. A year later when Capital Carnage, another England only pay per view comes back over there. He's in full not like not like game hunter gear, but like he's in full DX yep. uh type mode there with all with all the boys. He's still kind of he's he's borderlining right here around this time. That's what I love about such old school WWE, WWF, is seeing these guys before they were for big. We're seeing these guys Hunter was big then too, but we're seeing these guys before he was the game, before he was Triple H, before he was really that guy. When I saw John Cena, the the punk street rapper kind of guy, was that that was it's just cool to see these guys like that. And dude love, well dude love is dude love. I mean he he's one of my favorites of all time. Cactus Jack, mankind, whatever you want to call him. A guy that was able to pull off not one, not two, but three characters is uh, clearly a Hall of Famer, too. I don't think we have to you know, even debate which way this match goes in about 12 minutes and 51 seconds. Pedigree, Triple H up. The for least your, shocking thing for, ever, by the way. For your opening match of one night only. Next up, Leaf Cassidy. <laughs> Leaf Cassidy versus Tiger Ali Singh. Oh, man. Tiger Ali Singh. I forgot about him. <clears throat> I forgot about both of these guys, to be honest with you. It's a shame, you know, Leaf Cassidy, obviously Al Snow, the WWE didn't realize what kind of talent they had in Al Snow until it was almost too late, and as we've discussed a little bit before, and we're going to get him on the program here at some point in time, I'm an Al Snow guy. Sure. He was my trainer in OVW. He, I really, truly believe that, you know, I started with the Samoans, but I really, truly believe that Al taught me how to work and really understand the business. So I'm very... Um, very loyal to, to Al Snow's train of thought and a very very loyal to Al Snow in general. Here, Tiger Ali Singh goes up here with a bulldog at uh, just over over four minutes. Uh, right after that is going to be the Headbangers. Wow, New Jersey's own the Headbangers. We're, re- we're really... <laughs> we're going we're, way We're, we're busting back. some names out here. I'm, we're gonna... Don't get me... Were they, they were back recently, too, weren't they? Yeah, they came back not too long ago, I think, for a couple shots on SmackDown. Watching them there as they were now and then as they were on this pay-per-view was is just it's a funny dynamic to see them like really in shape and really in wrestling form as per when they were in SmackDown recently, which was kind of not. Well, the Headbangers are going to take on Los, Los Bariquas here, the team of Savio Vega and Miguel Perez Jr. Whoopi Cushion finish on Los Bariquas. Whoopi Cushion. Man, I, I'm really... <laughs> This is bringing back all the memories of being well, a kid. And, and that's what's going to be so much fun about this segment as we throw it back to all these different pay-per-views or maybe just Raws or SmackDowns or whatever we end up getting into the next week is seeing all these, I don't want to say generic finishes, but old-school style finishes that were like, that wouldn't even be close to a finish now that were just like ending. There. Like, just think about like, and I know he wasn't here doing that in this match, but think about a Hulk Hogan leg drop. Yeah. That was a finish. Yeah. That was an end. Now it's a move guys doing the heat. Like, yeah. Now it's a move guys just do like three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times in a match in a row. That's it's so funny to see how the progression of wrestling from then to now. That's why I would love this segment so much. Headbangers win in about 13 and a half. Now, interesting interesting match coming up next because of what happens. Flash Funk versus the Patriot, of course. 
when I was watching this, you know, the Patriot comes out to Kurt Angle's music. It was a Patriot song before they gave it to Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. Just very weird to see that now. But well, you wouldn't even think about it now as the Patriot song. At least a generic fan wouldn't. But we're in England, and the Patriot is getting booed out of the building. Unbelievable. I thought America and England were friends. I thought so, too, but he got booed. Man, he got he got booed out of the building. In about nine minutes here, the Patriot wins with the Uncle Slam. Remember the Uncle <laughs> Slam? The names of these moves are so, like, uber generic, but so funny at the same time. I love it. I just do. It, it, that's what gets me into wrestling was this type of stuff. Well, the name of the this next finish isn't going to be generic at all. It's actually very well known. We have the Legion of Doom versus the Godwins here. In about 11 and a half or I'm sorry, in about ten and a half minutes, Doomsday Device, talk to you later, Godwins. I, I mean, who doesn't like the Legion of Doom? One of the, the my most favorite Classics. classic all-time tag teams ever. If I remember correctly, I made a cardboard shoulder pad Halloween costume one year, and I would walk around the neighborhood wearing that thing. Did you 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 were you made you made fake yeah like cardboard spikes? spikes? The whole night, yeah. Like, I took a cardboard box, threw it over my shoulder, and probably just rolled up a bunch of other cardboard pieces and taped them on there. It was the most weird-looking thing, but I was the Legion of Doom. I did it. Up next was Vader versus Owen Hart. Owen Hart was one of my favorites growing up. I used, I even had a singlet made when I was a kid. Buddy of mine was a wrestling Ugh, that's coach. That's a sight. Oh, God, Lord. Buddy of mine was a wrestling coach. And gave me, got me one of the like a, a singlet that the team would wear, and I got acrylic paint, and and uh, the design that Owen had on the side of his singlets, I designed on that. I thought I was Owen Hart when I was a kid. Well, I'm glad I never saw that part of it, but I mean, Owen was Owen, and he was iconic and classic. And I, mean, I know it wasn't this match, but every time I hear his name, I go back to that pay per view where it all happened. And it just kind of hits home, and it, it hurts a little bit. Yeah, I selfishly wish. I mean, I was very fortunate. I got to work with Brett. Um, I got to work with uh, a lot of the Hart family, a lot of the Hart kids, actually, who are actually personal friends. Selfishly, I wish I was able to work with Owen, but it, it just never came to be. Obviously, he was one of my uh, one of my one of my childhood favorites. But here, he gets the uh, he actually loses to Vader in about twelve minutes and fifteen seconds. Do you know the sad point about Vader? I will remember him more. For Boy Meets World appearances, <laughs> I think it's a lot of people's. Than I do for WWE or WWF. Well, he wasn't. I mean, I don't know if he'll admit this. I don't know Vader all that well, but I, and Vader just wasn't the guy in WWF that he was in WCW. Yeah. Vader was a killer, a monster in WCW, and when when he got to WWE, he was just blah. But you know, Owen really. This was a great match. Owen could really pull a good match out of just about. Probably pretty much anybody. Oh, absolutely. It, 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 he was... I'm trying to think of the best comparison. I can't get it. It's on the tip of my tongue right now. But he was one of the first guys I saw that I really got that he was willing to put other guys over, that he was willing to do what it took to make the match work. Not just for him, for the match and for the entertainment. Up next was the semi-main event, a rematch from SummerSlam 97, Bret the Hitman Hart versus The Undertaker. I mean, yep. it's an iconic match just in general. I mean, that's the main event any day of the week. What are you really going to say? The Undertaker keeps pounding on Brett, and the referee calls for the DQ here at right around 29 minutes. You know, they were, Undertaker's heading to hell in the cell later this month after this. Yeah, I mean, it's Undertaker. It's Bret Hart. It's 
it, no matter what happened, no matter the outcome, it's a must-see match for the names only. And, and like, it just was. And and like we said earlier, main event here, European title match, British Bulldog versus Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels with the win at around 22-53. The crowd, I gotta say, less than pleased with this. And Well, sure. I, I would say this was probably... Uh, this might be Bulldog's last good singles, maybe even great singles match. Without going back through his history, and I was never the biggest Bulldog fan. I don't know why. He just never struck a chord with me. Maybe it was because I was such a big Shawn Michaels fan that I didn't care. It just, it just, I, I just never got him. He was he was a great wrestler, sure. The Bulldog? Yeah, I Love just never the Bulldog. got it. I'm surprised he's not in the WWE Hall of Fame yet. Outside of would assume that might be coming sooner than later too. I, I would I would like to think so. I would kind of hope so. In 1997, this show, Canadian Stampede, probably the two best shows WWF put on in within that calendar year, in my opinion. Yeah, they were entertaining, and that's the best part about WWE then, as per now. I think every pay per view, every match meant something. And yeah, there was a few filler matches for sure, but they had a storyline with them. They had a a setup to them. They had a background to them. And that's really what got me into it. It was not the wrestling that keeps me here. It's the storytelling that keeps me here. And that's what gets me so excited to watch these old school pay-per-views all the time. And that is your first throwback segment, WWF. One night only, 1997. Coming up here in just a moment. Current NWA World Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis joins Wrestler Court. Don't go away. Hey, everybody. Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man here. And if you want to get your money's worth, then stay right here because you're listening to Wrestling Court with Keenan and Turtle. And remember, everybody's got a prize for the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> All right, Turtle. Slam down the gavel. Court is now in session. And coming up on the two-week anniversary here of Combat Zone Wrestling's Cage of Death, as advertised... The NWA World Heavyweight Champion Tim Storm showed up to their WrestleMania, not too far over the bridge here in Seoul, New Jersey, from where we sit in Philadelphia, but who wasn't advertised and walked out of Cage of Death. The new NWA World Heavyweight Champion is the man joining us on the line right now, and his name's Nick Aldis, the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. How you doing, Nick? I'm good, Keaton. Good to hear from you. Good to hear from you. Thanks for uh, for taking a few minutes. Congratulations, new NWA World Heavyweight Champion, as we said. Now, you've been wrestling for a long, long time now, and after all the years of hearing about Combat Zone Wrestling, you finally stepped into the Combat Zone. Talk to me a little bit about CZW. <laughs> after, after all well, the years of hearing about was it, it. Was it everything that was cracked up to be? Oh, well, <laughs> I guess. I, I guess that's one way of putting it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, look, I, I, I would be a massive hypocrite if I was to sit here and, and, uh, you know, criticize them for doing wrestling the way they like or whatever, uh, because I think that's, that's, uh, uh, that's a huge part of the business that, that really bugs me is how, you know, there's a certain pocket of fans that feel this sort of entitlement that all wrestling should be made to cater to their taste and theirs alone. So I can't sit here and say that you know they, they shouldn't do it or but but uh, you know I'm I'm amazed that in 2017 guys are still doing that stuff like I, I thought that died in like 99 the uh, the 
crazy hardcore stuff and the you know four letter words in promos and stuff like that. To me, I just uh, it's not my cup of tea. I think it's kind of cheap. Well, but can... I will say that it was it was fun to go out there and uh, get them so mad. You know, piss them off so much. Sure. Well, you, you took the words out of my mouth. Certainly not my cup of tea, but you know, to each their own. I want to talk a little bit about the NWA real quick. Over the years, the NWA has been beaten and battered. You know, different incarnations and what have you. What's different with this incarnation of the NWA with Billy Corgan at the helm? Well, I think that, that I mean, you kind of answered your own question almost because, for one thing, you know, we've, we've got a brand new owner. And uh, the, the, the political sort of machinations of having different members and all that sort of stuff after it kind of died out in the, in the late, you know, in the 80s, um, and and for what it, you know, it, it somehow survived through the '90s and into the 2000s and where we are today. You know, it was still sort of there, but it was really a shell. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, and Billy basically decided he would he wanted to buy the entire organization, you know, all the IPs and and all the rest of it, and and strip away the uh, the, the different members and anything that was left of that, and basically say this is mine now because he saw value in the brand, and I and I thought it was a smart move. So re- you're really talking about a new uh, a new incarnation of, uh, of of a long established brand, you know, not not really trying to, we're not trying to hide, you know, wh- where it's been um, in you know in the past couple of decades, but at the same time, we're we're focusing more on its on its heyday and the value of that brand, and now being being something that we can be proud of again in you know in 2017 going into 2018. Now, of course, Billy Corgan of, of Smashing Pumpkins fame, as we referenced just a little bit earlier. How, you know, he's a busy man. He, how uh, involved is he in terms of day-to-day, and what type of input did he have on the title change just a couple weeks ago? He's, he's the final say. He's the final say on everything. So Dave Lagana, uh, he he, he's basically in charge of day-to-day operations. Um, you know, Dave, obviously, uh, is, is 100% uh, on, on the NWA, whereas Billy, of course, has, you know, numerous interests, including his music career. Uh, so, you know, with that being said, Dave is given, you know, is, is in, t- in terms of handling uh, sort of most of the issues and obviously is doing the, the, the content, the 10 pounds of gold series, which has, you know, gained so much traction and all the other stuff is, is Dave Lagana, but Billy is, it, it, it's, it would be akin to someone who owns a network or anything like that, where it's like technically Billy is, is executive producer, final, you know, final edit, you know, managing editor. So it's kind of like he'll have notes. He comes back with stuff. And it, as far as his uh, level of, of involvement, he's very hands-on. I mean, like we just, we just shot some stuff here at my house with uh, myself and Idol a couple of days ago. And Billy's right there on the end of the phone with different notes and, Oh, make sure you hit this. Make sure we get that, and you know, and uh, so he he's all in. I mean, he he texts me every day about something, so he, he's very very involved. The stuff at the house with Austin Idol, I was was absolutely fantastic. We're going to get into Austin Idol in just a second, but you referenced the Ten Pounds of Gold series, and if you guys haven't seen this, head over to the NWA YouTube page and check it out. Somebody that was very very involved, obviously, in this Ten Pounds of Gold series was uh was former NWA World Heavyweight Champion Tim Storm that we referenced earlier. This is somebody that, you know, as, as a wrestling guy, I, I don't know too much about, but it looks like he's going to have such a big part going into this new version of the NWA. Describe Nick Tim Storm to somebody like me who doesn't know much about him, 
other than you beat him for the NWA World Heavyweight title? So, so basically, Tim is, you know, admittedly a journeyman wrestler. He has been wrestling for, gosh, I, 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 I'm not sure what the, what the exact number is, but it's, it's got to be over 20 years, probably closer to 30 years. Uh, and it's predominantly in, in Texas and in the, you know, in certain independent promotions. And in, and then in, he was involved with the, with what was the remnants of the, the last NWA, um, you know, affiliate promotions, uh, hence why he, happened to be the NWA champion when Billy decided to purchase it. Um, as far as I'm aware, uh, they, they, Billy went down and, and took a look at uh, the, the last remaining sort of members to see what, what he was working with or what there was, if there was anything worth keeping and, and, and working with. And he met Tim and was compelled by his story. And if I think if you've seen the, seen the, the, the 10 pounds of gold videos, it was, it was an example of how we can, you can blend reality and story and, and, and make something really unique and special and get people involved in the character. I think it was proof in a theory that a lot of us, and I know you, you know, you and I have had these discussions privately as well, that, you know, that we, we've, we've become so, we've gone so far in one direction with, with wrestling about it's just, and it, there's so much emphasis just put on the moves and the sequences and the spots and right. how many complicated moves and how much, how many, you know, difficult moves can we do in one thing and how many false finishes. And it's like, you know, what, how good a routine can we put together without fluffing anything up? And that's, that to me has always been maybe one third of the, one third of the package, you know, the whole thing. And Absolutely. It's about creating anticipation, you know, promos, getting people involved in two characters, a personal issue between two guys or a title on the line or having some sort of stakes. And then, and then the, the 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 clash, and you know it, when you focus so much on just the the routine in the ring, it turns into what I think it's turned into largely, or at least across a big portion of the of the wrestling business, which is just a choreographed kind of dance. And that's and and I look I, again, if you like that stuff, fine. Like we're not we're not we're not lambasting you for that because we're sick and tired of of fans who like that stuff lambasting other people who like stories and characters. You know, so it's kind of like. We, we took a guy, and I say we, you know, I wasn't really involved, so, you know, other than the fact that they contacted me in the summer and said, we, we want you to be, you know, our featured talent. And I said, sure. But as far as, uh, you know, the, the, the Tim stuff, I think that you'd have to ask Dave, but I think they took it as a challenge to prove to everyone that they could take a guy who, uh, in the nicest possible way, you know, hadn't really made it, hadn't really done anything uh, of any merit as far as, you know, on a big stage, um, with limited limited in ring skills, but a compelling story and his real life personality was way way more entertaining and intriguing than anything he'd ever done, you know, in in a in a promo or in a match. Um, and that was the fact that he was a school teacher and he was, you know, he's this humble, lovable guy. I mean, just a great great dude. And he, you know, he was very, very proud of being the NWA champion. And they took all this, plus he's, he's been such a, a joy to, to be around and to work with that they, that I think they saw it all as this way of like, look, well, let, let us show you this guy just as an example. And I'm not suggesting that this is the end of Tim's run. I'm sure that there's going to be more stuff for him because people have absolutely latched on to him and his story and that, and, and that underdog, you know, it's, it's a classic story that will never get old, in my opinion. So I think it was an example of them basically saying, look what we can present when you actually 
allow yourself to feel something rather than just look at it from an analytical point of view, like, you know, oh, here's the, here's the moves and, and here's what we think of the execution of the wrestling match. You know, you're right, and we've had this conversation before, and for me, stories and characters will always be what allows me to suspend my disbelief, but that's a perfect segue into what we mentioned a couple minutes ago. Turtle, this is this is 2017, right? We're still we're in 2017. Exactly. We're going into 2018. Almost. Just want to make sure because what I didn't see coming in 2017, and what some fans, actually all fans, I would have lost money, didn't see coming in 2017, was the return of the Universal Heartthrob Austin Idol to essentially be your mouthpiece, right, Nick? Wait, my manager. I'm I'm the first I'm the first and only client of Idolmania Management Incorporated. Where, where did they pluck Austin Idol out of? Like he hasn't been heard of in <laughs> years. But what a genius idea! Um, well, I'm glad you think so. I'm sure Billy will Billy will be pleased to hear that you uh, that you approve. I'll be the first <laughs> to admit. I'll be the first to admit that I was my, my reaction was very much the, the you know in line with yours. Um, I <laughs> it's a funny story. I got. I got I mean, like I say, I have a regular dialogue with 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 Billy and Dave, you know, on pretty much a daily basis. Certainly, at least with one of them, you know, it's normally some sort of text or like a "Hey, check out this link" or "Check out this, check out that." Um, but um, we had been, you know, discussing uh, a contract and you know, sort of a, the plans going forward because we'd we'd been laying out this sort of loose loose plan for what what we're doing uh, going forward in, in the new year, which I can't really talk about much yet, but, sure. you know, just laying out some of that stuff, but then also the stuff to finish off the year with, with the CZW show and the other stuff. Um, and and they had said, look, we, you know, we want to get you on paper. We wanna get, you know, and, and I said, great, like, let's, you know, let's figure it out. And we were, we were just kind of going back and forth. You know, we have a very, 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 very collaborative relationship in that respect, um, which is nice. And so they said, hey, you're a, are you free to get on a call later on? So I figured it was about that. And then I get on this call and then we're all on the line and Billy's like, Nick, Nick, I've got this great idea. You know, I wanted to pitch you on this and, and it's, you know, I want to know what you think because if, if, if you don't, if you don't feel it, you don't see it, like we'll, we'll, we'll do something else. But I really think this will work. And he, and then he basically goes on to explain how somehow, I'm not even sure how they really met or how they, developed a relationship but he had become friends with Austin Idol like Billy's a, <laughs> of course Billy's he did. a big <laughs> sure sure I mean if you know Billy he's he's lovably weird you Absolutely. know like, and he just and he uh, but he also has a deep deep appreciation for for that era of wrestling he I mean he you know he he's talked frequently on 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 many of his interviews about you know growing up watching Dick the Bruiser and guys like that so He's very, you know, this, that's one of the reasons why he wanted the NWA, because he said, I want wrestling that made me feel like I felt when I was a kid again, you know, which is like these two, you know, these, these big bruising guys having these personal issues and, and battling it out in the squared circle, you know, not, not these sort of, not these choreographed dance routines. So it was kind of like, it was a refreshing way to, to and, and, and again, we're not, we're not blasting anything else. It was just like, we saw that there was a gap in the market. Um, and, so he he then goes on to basically explain to me that he he's he's like Austin Idols. Uh, he's had a, you know, I guess Austin had a podcast for a while, and he was. Um, oh, I somewhat remember he that. Said you should, yeah, and I I did listen to a few. You know, and he said, oh, he he's he's still you know razor sharp on the mic, and he's witty and funny, and you know, and all the rest of it. He's still in great shape, and he's 
and he's just he's very charismatic. And he basically goes, I, I just I, I think you two together would be money and I just sort of went Okay. <laughs> I mean like if you if you'd have given me a list of a of, of hundred things, you know, to that I thought he'd be calling me to talk about, like that wouldn't have made the list. You know what I mean? I just yeah. I, I yeah. completely completely caught me off guard. But I I went away and and I, I was familiar with him, but not, you know, it wasn't like, it was, he wasn't, and again, not nothing against the guy, but, you know, he wasn't part of my regular kind of study or anything like that, you know, because he was he was quite a territorial guy. You know, he was a big star, you know, in Memphis and, and uh, you know, but predominantly in the sort of Southeast territories. But he also had a good run for, for Vince Senior up in New York. So I was, I was familiar with his stuff, but then I went looking and I said, I said, I can see how a fan of his could also, you know, could, could see some links and similarities. And we, and we put it together and he's, I mean, <laughs> you've seen just, just from the short, <laughs> the short amount of content that we've put out already. I mean, you can see that he's, I mean, he's, he's all in, like he's, he's a total gimmick. And yeah, I, I think yeah. we're still finding our chemistry, but I mean, it's like, I, I mean, I just, I just looked at it and went, you know what? Like it's, it's so completely different and out, out of the blue. Like what, you know, Let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. I personally can't wait to see more of it. I loved, I loved the little Christmas skit that you guys did. But like you said, for fans that don't know, a superstar from yesterday, a, a star in the Memphis territory, and you said, you know, you, you mentioned Razor Sharp on the microphone. He was more known back in the day for talking them into the building more yeah. so than what he actually did in the ring. When you have a superstar like that, Nick, from yesterday. What can he? T- what can Austin Idol teach a superstar such as yourself today in 2018? I think for me, um, you know, I've had I've I've been very fortunate over the years. You know, while while I may not be the cup of tea of uh, a lot of the sort of internet friendly uh, type of stuff, you know, people, um, I have been very fortunate that I've been endorsed over the years by like Dory Funk, uh, Harley Race, and guys like that because a lot of them tell me that. I I remind them of that of that sort of era in the sense that I'm not afraid of the heat, like and I and I'm I I go out and if I if my job is to in piss more ways than off, one, like, sure. <laughs> piss, if my but look, if my job's to piss people off, I'm going to piss people off. I'm not going to I'm not going to play a bad guy, but secretly play it for laughs, like sure. all these dweebs do, like all these dweebs do now, where they like they secretly want everyone to go, oh my god, he's so funny, what an epic promo, oh, he's the best, oh, I'm going to buy his t-shirt. Right. Like, I don't do that, I don't play that way, and I think a lot of those old school guys, like, appreciate that, and I think Idol, you know, has seen just in this short period of time, you know, especially with the, if you... <laughs> I mean, if you want to, if you want to hear someone riff on a, on an audience, like you, know, you get, listen to what I said to the crowd to, at CZW after I won the title. I mean, like that, you know, that was that was as intense and, and nasty a heel promo as, as you'll hear this year. And uh, Idol just, you know, it, for me, um, what I love about guys like that was how they they just they had th- those muscles were so you know, was so finely tuned because they were doing that night after night after night. Like they never flubbed. They never planned anything in terms of their verbiage. You know, they, they, and you know, he just would, if you go back and watch some of his promos, he would bring in props. He would do different stuff and he knew how to keep a story going and, but you know, get himself over, but also not bury in the pony. Like I see a lot of guys now, they don't, they get it wrong on the mic. Like they, they go out and they just, 
they just bury the guy. Like they just, right. they just, they just point out all the things that are, you know, that are bad about this guy. And then I go, well, how are you going to, well, how are you going to make money with him now? Well, who you do know, you, when like, you go out there and bury him? Who do you actually beat? You beat a nobody. Sure, and we're not not only that, but like, why why am I going to why am I going to care about tuning in to see it? Sure, you know, and, and sure. like again, look at look at Tim. You know, we we could have so easily just gone a different direction with that, and and just kind of been like, who's this? You know, who's this jabroni? And just kind of done it like that. But but it it wouldn't have done anything for anyone, and then everyone would have said, uh, you know. Like we've got people genuinely mad now that that Tim Storm lost the title to me, you know, they, and they're going like, "Oh, he deserves another chance," you know, blah, blah, blah. that's that's cool, that's work, you know, <laughs> and and uh, it's just, uh, you know, what Idol has is is that ability to to just riff, um, and I think that for for me, that's what I want to see more of from from our guys, you know, when when we put our team together. I don't want I don't want guys going out and and grabbing that low hanging fruit and making those like insider references to pop the internet marks and sure. all that stuff. I want I want guys riffing and like showing their talent as you know because real good promos is kind of like you know back in the day like to me you'll never get better than Bobby Heenan you know or Jesse oh, God, Ventura no. Roddy Roddy Piper you know, Dusty you know these were guys these were guys who and Flair obviously but these were guys who were able to like roast the guy they were they were the, they were working with but at the same time still keep them you know still present them in a way that made them both look like stars and to me it's like that's an art that that we need to bring back and you and pe- I, I don't care what anyone says okay look WWE can do the do it do it their way because it's working out just fine but you can tell the difference when there are two guys who, who are just who are who are organically saying what's coming into their mind and and are riffing on each other. You can tell the difference between that and when two guys are reading something off a piece of paper or memorizing something. And if, I think that's that's a very easy way for us to immediately show everyone a different product that makes them go, "Ooh, like this is compelling. This is interesting." And I'm with you. I don't. I don't care what anybody says. The art of storytelling uh, is absolutely not dead. Of course, we're talking to Nick Aldis, the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Keep up with Nick on Twitter at Real Nick Aldis. You were mentioning some of the previous guys cutting great promos, riffing all that kind of stuff. Is there anybody now that fans should look for that does a really good promo besides yourself? Obviously. Um. Ooh. Yes. Uh, let me um, put me on the spot. I'd say. Um, I have to give credit where it's due. I'd say that uh, if you if you look at most of those most of the guys in the Bullet Club have really started. You know, they're, they're they've improved a ton because they're, because they're all they're all bouncing off each other, and you know they're doing a lot of stuff that's off the cuff. And obviously, Marty is a friend of mine, and I think that his his promo work has has come on you know so so far in the last few years and like that. And again, you know, here's a guy who he's been wrestling almost as long as me. Um, struggled to get struggled to get a foot in the door, no matter how many times I tried to convince TNA to sign him, you know, and kept telling him this guy's gonna this guy's gonna blow the doors off, you know, and and they're like, oh well, you know, maybe next time, or we'll take this guy, they'll take this other guy because he's been in Japan, and you know, da 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 da, and then he goes away and puts these these incredible vignettes together, and and you know, develops this new concept of the villain, and and now look, you know, like what a I think every young wrestler should be following that, and and he inspired me 
so you know I went away and, and put together some vignettes with you know and, and Marty and I actually produced those together we, we, we sat there and, and just sort of bounced ideas around with, with James who shot them and edited them he also did Marty's villain vignettes and I said well yeah, like why am I sitting around waiting like I'm going to put this out myself and then they ended up being used on uh, on the House of Hardcore debut episode on Twitch and stuff like that and I was you know and it's like that's the that's the new like that's the new expectation of wrestling. I think like vignettes are the new eight by tens. Like you guys <laughs> need to, if you're an independent wrestler and you're trying to stand out in the crowd, like and and make people take interest in you. There are so many guys out there now who are who have had years of TV exposure behind them, right? Who are who are fighting for the same spot that you want. So like get like making a you know get an eight by ten and or you know sending sending a sending a YouTube link to one of your matches and stuff, but they don't get it done. Like, but, you know, go shoot some vignettes, go produce something, go show them that you have some creativity to, to frame your own character and your own presentation and put it out there. And then, you know, let them come to you. Like that's, that's, that, that it's, it certainly worked for Marty and it's worked to an extent for me because that it changed the momentum for me. And then, but you know, suddenly before I know it, I'm deeply involved with house of hardcore and then also the NWA. Yeah, and and that's kind of what we do here in the in the radio business too. It's a tease. It makes people want more. It makes me excited to see person X or or female wrestler Y. That's how we do it. But circling back to Austin Idol for just a quick second, did he give you any advice before or after the title win? Um, not not so much uh, with with that because you know he it was his first it was his first night uh, you know involved with everyone and obviously it was a very um, unfamiliar sort of situation for him, you know. He he was just <laughs> he was just baffled by the by what he was seeing, you know, <laughs> all around him at the show. <laughs> um, so and we knew and we knew what our we knew what our deal was, you know, going in. It wasn't it wasn't it was going to be pretty basic and it was going to be pretty decisive. Like we that was, you know that that you know we we knew that going in. So it wasn't wasn't a, wasn't a bunch to talk about. We wanted it to feel real and feel organic and. And uh, you know we and we I you know Austin and I just chit chat a little bit and just said let's you know let's go out and and shock everyone which I think we did. The NWA title has an, an amazing lineage names you've probably followed since you were a kid: Ric Flair, Harley Race, Luthez, guys like that. You've had almost two weeks to let it sink in. Has it sunk in that your name is among the best now? Yeah, um, I certainly it, it it's it's a it's a very different, it's a very different time. And, and it's certainly, um, I, I don't, it's not like I, un, I understand where it's been, you know, so it's, I'm, I'm, it, it's, uh, it, it would be easy for me to pretend that it, that it hasn't been floating around, uh, small independent promotions, you know, for, for the last sort of 25, 30 years. Um, with that being said, it's, it's so much more relevant already than it, than it has been uh, since since the NWA um, became you know WCW um, or, or or you know or that or that that period anyway um, and so in in that respect I see it more as a as a responsibility you know as a, as a sort of challenge to be like I, I want to help bring this back to to its to its le- you know the correct level of of um, of stature and and again. I've I've had you know Dory Funk over the years has, has pulled me aside and said you know I really like the way you 
you do this and I like the way you do that. And Harley obviously had a hand in, in training me early on. And, you know, Rick has said nice things to me over the years and stuff like that. So I, I take pride in that respect. And, you know, that the guys who have held the title in uh, when it was at its peak, you know, have complimented me prior to me having the title. So it's like, I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I'm unqualified to hold it. As we enter 2018, from where you sit right now, what's the end game for the new NWA? From where, how will it work? Will this be another touring brand? Will this be uh, a shoot a bunch of TV episodes in one week? What do you think it's going to be for the new NWA? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Like the guys, this is a. It's been such a funny, uh, an interesting element of being part of this NWA it, that. Guys, are, it, this is part of our generation, and it's the culture in wrestling now, is that everyone is so, so um, ravenous about information. They want to know what's happening, what's going to happen next, and, like, what is your plan, and where is it going, and why haven't you told me yet? And, like, you know, and then they all start speculating online, like, I think they're going to do this, and they're going to do that. And all the while, like, no one has, nothing has been said. No one has, to, like, no one has been told definitively this is what's happening and this is what we're going to do. You know, it's like, and it's, and it's it's so unusual because most most wrestling companies and wrestling promoters, you know, or whatever, are so loose lipped that they they just can't they can't resist to just blab on about what you know what they're doing next and what they're going to do and stuff like that. And it never ends well because it's because you're 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 setting yourself up to disappoint people. So I know I know some of the things that are, you know that that are somewhat in mind, but at the same time, we're also we're also establishing the brand in a completely different way. You know, we've, we've, we've made it about content. We've made it about creating this interest in like, what, three wrestlers so far. You know, it's really just about putting out this content and going, look, trust what you see and then, and then look forward to what comes next rather than, you know, rather than doing a sort of, uh, global force wrestling, you know, big things coming, you know, big, big announcement coming soon, you know, and this and that, like, it, like we, we, the, the, I don't, I don't foresee a lot of that, you know, if, if there's a big announcement coming, it will be the big announcement. Does it bother you as much as it bothers me when you see something like that online and there's really no big announcement? Like some wrestler, like wrestler A will put up big announcement coming tomorrow and then there's, there's, uh, no, there's, there's nothing. Yeah. And then like, um, <laughs> interesting. Oh, you know, meetings today you know like very exciting you big, know like big things ahead like, like listen guys like look we all everyone's had meetings you know what i mean like i just received a really interesting email like hopefully this could be the one you know hashtag you know <laughs> hashtag dreams hashtag oh you know like come on uh, uh, it's it's a it's a temptation that uh you know that to me it's just it's just an unfortunate um part of social media and you know you yeah it, it can become and unfortunately you know I'm, I'm not against anyone being excited about trying to take themselves forward sure it's what what it does though is it creates cynicism you know because then when something actually happens you know you you've conditioned everyone becomes so conditioned to just be disappointed because in that they've given they've had all this because this is the thing you, you give up you give everyone all this time to create this incredible vision in their head of what it can be and then you don't live you're never going to live up to it you know, so it's like, so it's best to, it's better to just, uh, just keep moving forward, letting it play out. And and honestly, I couldn't answer that question even if I wanted to, because I don't know. I'm just a talent. A couple more, Nick, and we'll get you out of here. You know, 2017's been, 
It's been a pretty cool year for wrestling, I guess. But what I find very cool as we head into the 2018 year is this whole WWE lifer Chris Jericho versus international star Kenny Omega at the Tokyo Dome 1-4 for New Japan Pro Wrestling at Wrestle Kingdom. Pick a perspective, Nick, whichever side you want as a fan or a performer. What does something like this say about the state of wrestling as we head into a new year? Uh, I think it says a whole lot about Chris Jericho. I think, you know, I think, um, I think it, it's, it's really validating the, uh, the continuation of the, the, the idea that's been put forward by guys like Jericho and like Marcy and like Cody Rhodes and guys like that, where, where, look, uh, the, 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 the information age or the internet age that we're in provides, you know, some setbacks, but it also provides great opportunities. And one of them is that you can, with if you if you hustle enough and you believe it enough and 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 do the right things at the right time and have and have a good strategy, you can create your own content and you can create your own buzz without the need for anyone else. Like I think there's going to be a whole shift in terms of ownership. You know, like the so many of these guys coming out of like look at the current WWE roster for example. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them are going to really struggle if, if they if they want to continue in the business once they finish there because they don't own any of their of that IP right and so and so then they yeah and and that's that's something that is very you know very interesting you know going forward that it's it's the guys that create their own brands and their own you know their, their own characters and then say you know, which is much which is much truer to the the, the highest points of wrestling previously you know, Hulk Hogan wasn't a Vince McMahon creation. You know, it, it's it, it, it's <laughs> and that's something that a lot of fans, especially younger fans, probably don't realize. Sure. You know, it mm-hmm. was, and uh, you know, Ric Flair was his own creation. It was a collaborative effort by all, you know all kinds of people to help him shape it and mold it. And Rick obviously borrowed from different people here and there, and took it around. And you know, by the time he was a, a huge worldwide star. That was his. It's all his. You know, he didn't. He didn't show up somewhere and and then uh, now tell him like, okay, now your name is you know, Mister X, <laughs> and you know now you, now you do this and now you do that. Um, and I think that I think that the, the Jericho Kenny Omega thing is just a perfect example of like it's a, it's a it's becoming more a free market, just because it it, it becomes so one sided and it still is so one sided in terms of the market share that some guys were going out and going. You know what? Like, I've got to create my own market if if I'm gonna if I'm gonna you know make a living here, or because buzz is buzz is a currency that you don't need any you don't need any to make any. You know, like you need money to make money. Sure. But you but you sure. but you can create buzz for free. For free, right? Yep. All right, Nick. Last question: New NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Out of this upcoming title run that you're currently on. Personally or professionally, what do you hope to accomplish out of all this? Um, well, you know, I, I guess I, I tend to try and avoid mixing my personal and professional as much as I can. As far as I don't, I don't, I try not to let my professional stuff, uh, you know, dictate my personal life. Although, as you can imagine, being married to someone in WWE and and obviously it being such a defining part of both of our lives, it, it can be difficult. But you know, it's a healthier thing to just let. 
we, we try to keep those separate. But uh, professionally, I, I always, it's the same thing any, any other time I've been, you know, put in a position of being champion is that all I want to do is do anything I can at, with that, you know, at that time to, to create more value and, and help you know, represent that brand and the company. And, and I would like to, by the time, you know, look, as, if things keep going the way they're going, like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, th- th- you know, I'm, this is great. And I, all I want is to, I want to look back in six months from now and go, look at the growth. You know what I mean? Look, sure, at, the, yep. look, at, where, look at where, look at what we started with and look at now. And in one year from now, you know, and also I want to be able to turn around to all of the people that said, you know, that said, how can you do this and how can you do that? And what is Billy thinking buying the other? What a joke, you know, this and that. Like, why is he, why is he working with him? Like, what a, you know, this, and just, and, and be like, yeah, talk all the shit you want now. Like, that's what I want to do. Well, Nick, I'm not just saying this because, because you're my friend. I think you're an absolute star. I am looking so forward to this NWA title run and what comes out of the new NWA. Congratulations on the title win, and you know, uh, thanks for coming on for a few minutes today, and I don't care what Robbie E. says about you. <laughs> I appreciate it, and I'll, uh, I'll make sure that uh, the next time he calls, I'll do what I always do, which is hang up, but then I'll text him and say that you said nice things. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. All right, bud. Our thanks to the NWA World Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis, The Lost Interview, has been found. Do me a favor, go over and follow Nick on social media, on Twitter, at Real Nick Aldis. Speaking of social media, do us a favor. Give us a follow on the show account, at Wrestler Court. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Real Kev Keenan. And at Eric S. Golden on Twitter. Don't forget, all previous 10 episodes available in the archives. Please search on iTunes, Wrestler Court. Rate, review, and subscribe. We thank you. Until next week, this has been Wrestler Court. Powered by Sports Radio 94, WIP.